we're on Hollywood Boulevard. We are. How are you guys doing? Happy to be here. Uh, Karen, how's life? I mean, yeah. <laughs> the best answer. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. I'm still here. Tired, damn it. Yeah, I'm tired nonstop. I can't shake it either. Yeah. I'm like, I'm very, I'm actually getting really frustrated because I can't shake the tired. Hmm. I, I wish I had some advice as to like what element you could shake up to change it. But I like, I, I'm at a loss. Yeah. I am it's too. just the routine of it all. I, feel I just like. wonder if it is. Yeah. Like, is it the routine of it all? I, like... I think it is. I know. I mean, for 16 months, I've probably been doing less than I was for a long time. And now even like the slightest demand or extra thing feels like a greater burden than it ever would have before yeah i know and you would think that we would have a little bit more energy for it but like because we haven't been doing it but it's like the complete opposite where i'm just like i don't know it's like i don't even want to participate in the world anymore like i'm just like yeah we're good yeah that's how i feel too i'm like even like the smallest thing is now a bonus and i'm like how dare you yeah, like I'm just like, you know, people are like, oh, why don't you go out to this thing? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm all right. Yeah, that is exactly how I feel. Come and out to dinner. No, nah, I'm funny, okay. Funny you mention that because you know what I did in the last week? What did you do? I went out and I saw a show in a theater for the first time in 16 months. With live actors? With live actor, too. Actor. It was a two-person show. But, but yes, the- in a in a room with live people. Um okay, question. Yeah. Question. Um are social distancing measures like done like it was like yeah. they didn't have like there was no separation it was just like the regular theater seats? Yeah, literally right on top of each other. I mean not literally but might as well have been right on top of each other. They are uh, we're checking for passports uh or for some sort of proof of co- of the covid vaccine. Okay. Um but once you're in the room like we're right on top of each other. I'm sitting 6 inches away from like six different people was Um, that weird because i'll tell you i'm getting stabby in the grocery store when people come too close it was weird but it wasn't worrisome it was just something i had not experienced for a while you know i've taken the subway a handful of times in the last year uh maybe a dozen maybe a little bit more but for the most part they haven't been crowded like what i'd experienced before so you know I've been able to have a seat and not have people be on top of me. So it feels fine. I know at some point when we're back to the really crowded subways, it will not feel fine again. But yes, I know that feeling of being in the store and you're like, back off. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, for the longest time, even after like, you know, the vaccination processes started and they started getting rid of the mask mandates, like there were still the, the, the signs on the floors saying like, stop here stop here for social distancing, you know, telling people where to stop. And for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe they're gone now. I don't know. Because when I was in the grocery store this weekend, this guy just got right up on me. And I was like, dude, six feet, man. I like yeah. love social distancing. I think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. I, there were certainly pros to all the big cons of the last uh, 16 months. Yeah, because I really think that people don't understand the concept of personal space, and they just well, get people right have up already annoyed. lost that concept all around my my dear city. Oh my god! I'm like just the arms length. Come on, stay away. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the sidewalks are packed, the restaurants are packed, most of the stores, people are standing right on top of you. The that social didn't take long. Like, that really didn't take long. It seems like, it, it seems like... It seems like everything's back to normal. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess the stuff are still kind of closed. I mean, there's not a whole lot of live theater happening yet, but I think that's, uh, honestly, I think that's just because you don't just put on a show. Like, like yeah, the, a lot of, but there aren't a lot of shows to see yet, but a lot of them are getting started. A lot of yeah, them are making plans. They need, yeah, they need to like get into rehearsals. Yeah. They need to build sets and costumes, and like like there's work that has to be done before they can get on stage. That's right. Um, you know, and I know that there have been issues with the with the unions and negotiating the you know what these contracts look like post COVID, and they've been a little bit slow going. Um, but I guess True. they're fairly sorted at this point for uh i don't know what it's like around the country but i think most broadway and off-broadway spaces have figured their stuff out and are getting ready to have seasons yeah so okay so what show did you see i saw a show called frumacera waiting in the wings is the parenthetical in the title um and it stars jackie hoffman who is known as like a a solid like supporting player uh for those who know new york theater she's also an emmy nominee for the show feud that my friend michael zam wrote um and you know if you watch bravo she shows up on talk shows as a fan of their shows as well um known primarily i would say as a personality and secondarily as like a great talent i don't really mean that in a pejorative way i'm just saying like this is how she has branded herself um jewish shtick humor and she herself has been in a recent revival in new york of Fither on the Roof uh, in, as the character uh, of Yenta, the matchmaker. So in this show, which she didn't write, um, a playwright named E. Dale Smith has written this uh, like serial comic two-hander. Um, she plays an Italian New Jersey divorcee who is in a community production of Fither on the Roof as Frumacera, uh, who is in one nightmare sequence towards the end of the first act um, in, in one scene. So this um, play finds her literally waiting in the wings um, in real time and for about 70, 75 minutes until it's time for the character that she's playing to, to make her entrance. Um, she's being babysat by a fill-in crew member, a stage manager, um, who hooks her into the harness that she will eventually fly in on, but has to make sure that she doesn't do what we find out this woman is prone to do, um, like talk a lot too loudly and drink from a hidden flask, um, hmm. which she does, and um, and starts laying bare like the secrets and the regrets of her life. Uh, this character is actually not wholly sympathetic i found it to be too much of a pain in the ass um she resents her husband who is gay and left her for another man um she says a lot of un pc things that aren't necessarily that funny or or clever um i found a lot of the humor to be rather lowbrow um low-hanging fruit i should say Uh 
Okay. Um, and and it's a two-hander. There is an, a very good actress named Kelly Kinsella who is playing Margot, the crew member, uh, the, the crew member who's ba- babysitting her. Um, but it's she's really just there to sort of validate uh, the character of Ariana that Jackie Hoffman is playing, so that she can just tell to the audience her life story. Um, you know, it's a lot of generalizations of how Italians and Jews are the same. And, um, you know, this is what New Jersey is like and, and that sort of stuff. Um, it's some, some like inside baseball references in regard to, to various other shows, including Hello, Dolly. Um, what the show reminded me of was a play from about 10 years ago that was on Broadway written by uh, the playwright and screenwriter John Logan called Red. Um, which was about the painter Mark Chagall and starred Alfred Molina and Eddie Redmayne. Again, a two-hander about someone in a creative field with a lot of demons. And that show was basically a younger painter's assistant character that Eddie Redmayne played is there to listen to and validate uh, Mark Chagall so he can talk about what art means to him and all the problems he's had with other people. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually very similar. I found kind of a blueprint um, for this play, What that play had going for, and it didn't have a lot more going for it. But one thing it did in the staging is that the characters moved. They looked at each other. They crossed the stage. They were actually painting. They moved back and forth. Um, This play, uh, which is directed by Braden M. Burns has blocked it so that, Jackie Hoffman's Ariana is spends most of the time sitting in a chair, facing the audience, looking at the audience as she's talking with a slightly cheated, a slightly cocked head um, to the the Margot character, who is also standing and looking halfway at the audience and then just askance at the Ariana character. So it actually really should be like a one person show. Because what you really want is to just have this person looking at the audience and telling them their life story and giving them lots of laugh beats. But instead, it's constructed as a two-hander, and it's an uneven one, just like Red is, just so we can learn more about, um, you know, this main character. I'm not sure if it was written with Jackie Hoffman in mind or for her. The role fits her like a glove. Her delivery is pitch perfect. Um, I can also imagine a lot of, of regional places and and you know like places around the country um being very very easily doing the show it's it's low frills um low maintenance and it's a very scenery chewing uh role for an actress uh and jackie hoffman you know like meets it perfectly i just i just don't think that it's that much of a challenge. I just don't think there's that much there, there. So I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I knew what it was for me right now. The leaving the house thing to be around large groups of people in close quarters is one I will continue to be selective about in seeing uh, live theater. So what made you decide to go see this one? Was it because it was Jackie Hoffman and you're like, well, okay, I'll go see her. Or like, were you just like, well, this is the first live theater thing you know with with an actor that's sort of like been it was a little bit of both of those things Uh, i think in truth it's also an actress that Alyssa was willing to go see that my fiance was willing to go see because a lot of shows like would not pass muster at this point as being worth it um keep in mind we don't even have a 
a monthly or a stipended metro card from our place of work so we are paying every time we leave our neighborhood to go anywhere which so even if i'm getting press tickets like that's still we are literally paying just to leave our house to see a show well but you're also paying in your time i mean definitely paying in our time and our prices yeah yeah Yeah. i Um, mean more so than the subway ride i would think i mean it's the time it takes to yeah, get on the subway and yes, go to the and venue fact, and this show's yeah. running time is probably tantamount to travel time in each direction um we probably oh god we that's probably kind of left terrible. about you know we probably left with about an hour to get to the show and the show was probably just over an hour and then it took us probably an hour change to get back home so yeah um so all of that so those were probably the main reasons why if i'm being honest i think i actually thought it was a solo show uh, written by jackie hoffman Mm. and about her life when i first became interested in it um before i realized no this is that's not the case Um, (laughs) the person would have had a lot more to say necessarily uh than this actress you bait and switched yourself (laughs) i did and once i did i was committed to it i yes anded myself um That's that's mainly why. I mean, you know, like I was, I was, I was interested, but I've not been one of those people who has felt such a void that I've needed to find any kind of theater to as a, a supplement, um, and felt like I couldn't return to my life until I was at a mm. show in the theater again. I don't feel that way, um, but I was happy I mean, enough to 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 go. I have another question too. I mean, do you think we're going to be seeing a lot more one-person shows post-COVID? I don't know. Why do you ask? I don't know. I kind of felt like uh, as we emerged, like I felt like, well, first of all, they're easier to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably yeah. a lot less that needs to be done to, I mean, of course it all depends, you know, I, I don't, a show, with say somebody like Eddie Izzard doing her her thing would be completely different, um, you know, in, in terms of production needs than somebody who is more like a, you know, like like the late Spalding Gray, where you just have a ta- uh, you know a, a desk, right? Um, yeah. It just seemed like there there was sort of a simplicity there with the show, and then there was also I I mean this was also while the unions were still while, while equity the unions like no it was equity the one um the one it was equity um trying to sort of suss out what the hell they were gonna do with COVID and they were actually putting a lot of in the initial contracts uh like just terrible egregious you know every cast member has to have a private car to the theater you know like shit like that just was like eye popping and the expense on that would have been just crippling for production um so i just kind of was thinking about it and i was like wow i wonder if we're gonna have a boom of one person shows i don't know i think we were headed in that direction as streaming theater continued to develop and they continued Mm -hmm. to kind of figure it out because that was more feasible if it was just one person, you know, zooming themselves to an audience, right. that sort of right. thing. Um, I know I continued to see that, you know, with greater frequency. I don't know. I think we're, we may see small shows. We may see casts of four, five, six. Um, but, you know, uh, we also saw a lot of that 
happening in the last decade or so anyway. I've I generally in the last 10 years saw the number of solo shows grow. So if we continue to see that as theater returns, as live theater returns, I think it's more an offshoot of that um, than, I, than, than trying to work around COVID. I mean, I guess because I also feel like in terms of pendulum swings... Um, you know, I, I don't know if you were around in New York for like the sort of heyday of these solo shows that happened. Like, uh, you know, like I feel the like good ones. like the good ones, <laughs> like, like we like had the seminal milestone type like, of. Yeah, because like yeah. in the 80s, we had like uh, people like Dennis Leary, like that. De- well, that was Dennis Leary's, you know, no cure for cancer was, I think, at PS 122. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, he was sort of like the stand-up comic that made the transition to theater and really did the solo show as theater where it was, you had those sort of great. No, I mean, I missed missed a lot of that. And I missed a lot of the Anna DeVere Smith shows and the John Leguizamo earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was sort of, so then that went away for a while. And then there was another resurgence of that, that really, I think was led by Arnold Engelman at Westbeth um, at the venue Westbeth that was downtown. Um, and it, and it, he had people in there like Eddie Izzard before Eddie went to Broadway. Right. Um, he had Sandra Bernhardt, he had, you know, and they were all of these comics who did these again, did these solo shows. So even though they were funny, they were actually looked at as theater. Um, I, you know, and we haven't really had that. I mean, Mike Birbiglia has been doing that similar thing, but it hasn't been this consistent, this consistent performance that seemed to have been happening back in like the late nineties and also in the eighties when like Dennis Leary was doing his thing. No. And I think a lot of what we do, and I, there are a lot of them. Um, I see a lot, had seen a lot of them, but I think a lot of them and even the more high profile ones are, you know, they're comedians who are just testing material out in a different venue um, to see if they can kind of spread their wings and, and get more cred. Or they're people who are coming from film and TV who are just doing like the stage version of what's already worked on celluloid mm. um, or using it to rehearse for something that they plan to then get like an Amazon or Netflix deal with Um and then that becomes right. the bigger thing. Well, I mean, they were all doing it back then. Um, back then, they were doing it for the the HBO or the yeah. Comedy Central yeah. half hour. But really, at the time, it was about doing, getting the HBO special. Um, and then it became, and then Comedy Central started doing their thirty minute. But I think that the HBO special, because that was always like an hour plus, yeah. was a little bit more prestigious. And that's what they were sort of like working towards. But um, yeah, I guess um, I guess the last one was. Um, the Australian comic, the woman that Hannah the Gatsby. Woman who, H- Hannah Gatsby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess she was sort of the closest that we've come in a while. But again, not a whole lot of those. You know, not like it used to be. I really enjoyed those shows. I know a lot of people don't like solo shows, and I understand that. Like those solo shows can be painful. But if you have like the right person doing, like Hannah Gatsby, like you know John Leguizamo, they can actually be really wonderful. Yeah, and there are some uh, certainly lesser known people who have done some very quality shows and they're not always comedic. Um, Some of them can be, you know, 
very serious and some of them can play upwards of you know a dozen unique characters Mm -hmm. um but they haven't sort of proven to be landmarks of any kind Mm. but we'll see if i find ones that really speak to me i may go uh and see them i'm just not running out today to do so (laughs) oh boy what about you have you seen anything not live god well no i didn't no i didn't think you were going into a theater no (laughs) god no not live why would i do that um i did i did i actually we ended up binge watching the show the nevers oh yeah so i'm curious to hear your thoughts okay so this is the one which i did not realize until i think we were like four episodes in that was created by joss whedon that's correct and I did not realize this because I was like, I, I, I was watching it and we got kind of sucked in. And then I saw the created by and I was like, oh, ooh, I think he was canceled. I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this anymore. <laughs> but oh, well. So um, I was a little bit surprised that it was him because the show is very, very British. And it, it takes place in Victorian London and it has a whole lot of British actors. And so I guess there was a little bit of a hurt when I saw his name because I was anticipating. You didn't think he'd have his hands on it. Yeah, I did not think he would have his hands on it. And and so it's sort of sci-fi supernatural where you have a group of people, um, majority women, but some men thrown thrown in. They Mm -hmm. call these individuals they they say they were touched they're the touched people because this sort of weird steampunky looking very um thing came across the sky and shot out beams of blue light and some of it hit people hit these people and they got these sort of like weird supernatural powers so there's like a little steampunky thing going on there through like one of the characters named penance who is uh, i think irish she creates um wild contraptions that the that they use at what is essentially an orphanage that has been created for um, these touched people to sort of get away from the regular world who looks at them askance and they can kind of live, um, you know, together and a little bit more safely while they try and figure out what the hell happened to them and why they have this, um, I don't know, special powers, afflictions, yeah, whatever kind you want to call it. Yeah. yeah, kind of both. Um, and so it, so that was sort of like what was going on for, I guess, the first 11 episodes. And then you hit episode 12 and you're like, oh my God, plot twist, um, which I will not um, give up. But it's plot twisty enough where for the first five minutes, we kept stopping the, the episode and going, I think, I think, I think they, I think HBO Max screwed up. I think <laughs> they put the wrong, I think they put the wrong show in the queue. And like we, and then it took like actually going and reading some of like the user reviews on IMDb on that final episode for them to say, and they were all fucking confused. They were all like, what yeah, the hell that's is this thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you saw this too? Yes. Okay. And so I don't, so anyway, th- th- it was pretty extreme. Anyway, we really liked it. I don't know if it's coming back for another series or if like 
Joss's I think it is, but is also, over. I think you said uh, after like 11 episodes, and I think it was just six episodes that you watched. Oh, I'm sorry. It was six. Okay. Yeah. But I yeah, say that because I think yes, you're this right. particular production had to shut down during COVID. During COVID. Um, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we got right. half of the season that they had in the can. And then at some point we get part two. Right, that's which right. is still weird because you're you're absolutely right that there is a, a shift of sorts uh, with the sixth episode that ends the first half season, um, and I'm not sure what the actual design for the full season was supposed to be. And at first, I was a little like, I don't know if I like this plot twist, but then it kind of there were there were things that sort of like little holes that were ha- like that were being poked in the storyline throughout the first season that were things were a little confusing i was like i don't understand why that character did that i don't understand where that character is coming from i don't understand why she can fight like that i don't understand and then by episode six when we get that you know that chain that that explanation it kind of it's almost like you know all the dominoes you know what i mean like everything just sort of fell into place and it was sort of like this big giant oh right now i get it and i will say the cast is phenomenal it's a wonderful cast yeah a bunch it's of a Brits. terrific ensemble i mean who cannot you know the acting is going to be tremendous so i gave it two thumbs up i thought it was really great but like you have to be like you have to be up for something that is steampunky sci-fi you know it's because it's not even like supernatural i would put this more on the a little bit more it's a little bit more on the sci-fi realm than the paranormal realm, I think. Um, particularly yeah. when we get to that last, that, 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 you know, that final episode. Yeah. yeah. It's more like period fantasy, I think, than paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually like not my favorite. Like usually I want the paranormal. Like I don't necessarily like get into the fantasy or the, you know, like I want a little bit more paranormal. I want some vampires. I want some werewolves, you know, but this was, um, but this was actually, I thought pretty well done and kind of a reminder, like, even though he's an asshole, like he's a very talented he has like a talented yeah i don't i I don't know if at some point he ceased to be involved and then some of the other writers saw it through i'm not clear but you know he brought together a great but he did yeah because you know i thought that it was really well done yeah including one of the other mvps on the buffy staff jane espenson um Mm -hmm. who's proven to be a really great showrunner in her own right um but yeah no the world he created is good i mean the actors like laura donnelly and uh our favorite james norton like yes it's a good cast yeah what is and james norton been in um probably a bunch of things you've not seen but he's in okay. the series grant chester that's probably uh, okay. like his biggest thing okay okay yeah no the whole i mean everything everybody was really wonderful i mean Pip Torrens was a kick. Yeah, I forgot. I, I think I, every episode I forgot that he was in it. Actually, yeah. Um, Ben Cha- Ben Chaplin, Chaplin, who you who I was like is barely like recognizable. Like he is so. He I know. Just looks Talk so about someone we haven't really seen in a while. Yeah, exactly. Like we haven't seen him in an age. Like where's he been? Um, apparently in Victorian 
England. In Victorian. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's weird. Yeah, he hasn't he's been he's been missing for a while. And um but you know, and but as far as like American actor, we have Dennis O'Hare who is always wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, it is a fantastic cast um and I think that it's worth um it's worth if it's worth seeing if you're comfortable with um seeing something that Joss has done. Correct. Yeah. I have to say, there's a, a moment towards the end, uh, or a sequence, I should say, towards the end of the first episode that I think is pretty terrific. The end of the first episode, a sequence. What what happened? Uh, when they're in a theater. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. that the first episode? Yeah, yeah that was yeah. really great. Yeah, that was really one. That was, oof. Yeah, that was so good. There was a lot, there were a lot of action sequences that were really exciting. There are, yeah. Like that whole, the whole water scene. And the water, yeah, that's another one. That was phenomenal. Did you stay for the, because they have um, the after the, like that they do interviews and stuff like that, like after yeah. the end credits. Did you watch the, the making of how they did that? Yeah, and you know what's funny is I think that's the only episode we watched the post credits, like behind the scenes making of thing. But we did watch it for that, which, which is funny. Oh my god, that's so funny because I think we watched it by accident too, and then I was like, "Oh, they have these at the end." <laughs> I yeah. watched the next one, yeah. And I think otherwise we're like, "Yeah, we don't need to see it." Yeah, but no, that was really fascinating because they actually went through how they did this fight scene, which was right. in water, and it which was is, really yeah. amazing. It was really, really well done, and it was actually very, very complicated. Of course. And um and and the and Laura Donnelly was a fucking trooper. Yeah. Um, with the way she yeah. did, and I think she did a lot of her own stunts. I think she did. You know, because I think she said they had the stunt woman go through it once, and then she took over and and would go through it. So, yeah, it was. Um, I think it's worth watching. Yeah. So. And see, now that you've got HBO Max, the whole world has been opened to you. You know, I can't stop. I can't like I'm finally like this like tonight I was like okay we got to start watching Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. God, well, get your yet. get your money's worth. I know, I know. I've spent and I think that finally 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 like knock wood that it's um, working. that hiccup has seemed to have gone away. Good. I'm knocking on couch. You know, so hopefully hopefully it stays away. Hopefully they upgraded their fucking servers. Cuz I'm pretty sure that was the problem. So what about you? You got anything else? Yeah, on another streaming platform, Disney Plus, I exercised my premier access right to buy Black Widow. So I watched oh. that the the latest in the Marvel universe with with ScarJo. And yeah. I liked it. I definitely yeah. liked it. Yeah, it's I mean, it you you get a lot of bang for your buck. It's like it's a good modern like comic adaptation blockbuster with several really good set pieces, several very impressive action sequences. I mean, the stunt work is amazing and I don't know how they got away with some of it. Um, a lot of it looks very real, but, but it's also not too much. Um, and while it is around two and a half hours, it's not oversaturated with a lot of plotting or like weird conspiracy things that they throw in mm. sometimes to these movies that I don't understand. I'm like, just, just tell me the bad guy is bad and, and I'll, I'll get it. And I'll, you know, like root for them to be bad until the, the good guy 
can come to them, but don't make it be like, and they did this and they plotted with this. And years ago they were part of XYZ society, but so-and-so was a turncoat on so-and-so blah, blah, blah. I don't need all of those things. Just give me a reason to know like where, where these people come from and where they need to go. And that's what this movie does. We get the backstory of um, Natasha Romanoff, the, um, character Scarlett Johansson plays who was also Black Widow and we see her fake family um, that is put together as part of a a sleeper cell um, in the States so she has a a de facto mother and father figure and um, they are played by Rachel Weisz and David Harbour um, and then a sister figure who is played by Florence Pugh who will continue on um, in the Marvel Universe in, in future I guess movies, maybe other TV shows. I'm not clear on what what's next for for that character, and and it makes enough of a difference when you have really quality actors playing these roles because they can really fill it with a, a surprising amount of depth and humanity and humor. And Florence Pugh does just that, and David Harbour does that, and he's great. Um, and Ray Winstone as our villain is very good too. Um, it was a very, uh, enjoyable movie. Oh, well, that's cool. And I don't, that's and I'm not a slave to Marvel and I'm not a slave to all comic and graphic novel adaptations, but this one I think really worked. I think it's kind of like the perfect summer action hero movie. Oh, now is this in theaters as well? Or it is. is this and apparently it's doing, no, both. And apparently it's doing really well in theaters and on streaming. Okay, cool. Because I know that 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 there's been like issues of people. I don't know. I feel like every other week I see like a different headline about movie theaters are dying. Nobody's going back post COVID, and then all of a sudden you have something like you know Fast and Furious Nine, which is like breaking all the box office records, or you know Black Widow, which is doing really really well. I mean, I think that it just depends on the property, right? I think that's exactly right, and we're talking about some of the biggest tentpole franchises of the century um so like yeah it makes sense that those will bring in really big numbers even if people have the option to watch in their homes or buy it and watch it in their homes as opposed to say in the heights which people were shocked that more people didn't come out and i'm just like i don't think we're there yet but until we have dozens and dozens and dozens of movies to talk about the data on who turned out for what um you know it will change week to week and will change month to month and movie to movie. Um, yeah, but, that's the but thing. Yeah. I, I don't think that you can look at box office right now. No, I don't think you can make, I don't think you can draw any it. really conclusive uh, yeah, kind of determination. No. I, don't, I don't think it's fair. And that actually worries me about Broadway because we do have um, what sounds like a, a groundbreaking season in the representation um, on Broadway of, you know, BIPOC playwrights. Um, But, you know, the ticket sales are going to be dismal because people are just really slow. They're going to be really slow getting back to the theater. I really believe that. And Broadway is so reliant on tourism. And that friggin' Delta variant is just like rampaging through Europe. And like, it's not going away. The fall as these shows start opening is going to be, is currently a big question mark. Yeah. And I can't, and I can't even imagine like the first time having a season 
that looks like this and then having the sort of like box office judgment when I'm sorry, like you can't, you, you can't make a, like you can't look at box office numbers for the next year. I think that's exactly right. Which is why, and I've said for the last year and change, like we've real as all the discourse has continued to go about how can Broadway come back or how can theater come back and how must theater change? We're really talking about two war on two separate fronts and Mm -hmm. they're conflated right now. And I think that could be really damaging and I hope it's not, but, but we'll see because we need theater to come back so that people will just feel comfortable coming back and paying to see it and that people can make money doing it so that they can continue doing it and make more money. And if they're not making money off of it, then the, kinds of shows and the numbers of shows that we're going to see are going to be determined by just that. But separately, if you're trying to change the stage to change the face of whose stories are being told um, and who is playing these roles and it's being tied to, you know, ticket sales uh, it's that's, that's really treacherous ground. Well, I think in particular right now, when people are just so not not only are regular people skittish about going to the theater, I, there are no tourists to fill the theater. Now, look, maybe the strategy is to just bring New Yorkers into the theater, as skittish as they may be. Sure, but in, you're in which going case, to have to bring season, a lot of New Yorkers. I know that's the problem. These houses are really big, and you're going to need a lot of New Yorkers yeah. to fill them. But as a strategy, right? As a promotional strategy it kind of makes sense because the tourists want to see like when the tourists come in, they want to see the big spectacle they want to see and the big celebrities. Yes. Whereas, you know, the New York audiences, like it almost feels like the Broadway season is kind of shaping up to be like an, like an elevated off Broadway season with the caliber of playwrights and and people that are coming in. Right. Yeah. Um, But you know, these aren't necessarily like the ones that the tourists are going to flock to ain't no cats in the bunch. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and so as a strategy, like that makes perfect. Now you kind of look at it and go, okay, like this could work, but the houses are so big and people are still so skittish, I think, about like being in a room full of other people elbow to elbow um, that I just think that, you know, any sort of like judgment, like box office judgments, like they just shouldn't be made. Yeah, because these are pioneers it's not fair. and it's not yeah. fair. It's yeah. not fair. It's completely not fair. I mean, honestly, they should like just like forego box off- the box office friggin reporting that they do every week you know, which I think is just kind of absurd, but whatever, like, yeah. you know, it gives them something to write about, I guess. Um, yes. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you know, oh, it's newsworthy since when? Like, I remember the time where, like, you could only get the box office numbers in Variety. Yeah. And that was for movies, too. <laughs> Nobody cared about how much money this shit was making at the box office. Now, all of a sudden, it's big news. Yeah. You're, well, it's part of our clickbait culture. I guess, but like, I mean, do people really care that much that they're that it's clickbait? Um, I mean, I don't think they care that much, but I think it's easier to draw people in with that yeah. sort of headline or infographic or whatever. Yeah. Like, like this, like Black Widow made all this money. Like, 
okay, I liked the movie, right? Like that sort of, I don't know. I just feel like outside of the industry who really cares, but I mean, clearly what do I know? Because they keep. No, I mean, I don't think there are people who care beyond the industry, except for industry watchers, but just still not a huge group, but, but it may be enough to just click on these headlines now to make them worthwhile. Anyway. Anyway, we should do away with it. It should be abolished for the next year. I mean, I do think you're right. I think the talk about economics is really going to overshadow or unduly influence. um, Not not the work that's being done, but the judgment of the work that's being done, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and I and I don't want the producers to be gun shy about supporting, you know, supporting work that is not sort of, shall we say, like traditionally seen on Broadway. Like, you know, I I don't want producers walking away from this going, well, Well, I can't ever do this again. Yeah, we couldn't sell the show. We couldn't. We couldn't sell it. That no audience didn't want it. We we don't know that because there has been no real right. barometer. Like you can't. Like you can't compare. And you know. And I have been seeing a lot of comparisons right now between 2019 and 2021. Like when I'm looking at like financial reporting and stuff like that. Um, you know, retail reporting, they're comparing 2019 to, you know, they're just skipping over 2020. And so they're actually doing like the year to year comparisons that they do in retail, they're doing it with 2019's numbers. And I still feel like that's a very unfair comparison. Yeah, it's a completely different world. Because we are in a completely different world. And we're experiencing uh, all of this like weird. There's a lot of starting over that has to be done. now. All the momentum was lost. A lot of the interest was lost. Yeah. And, and honestly, though, in like retail numbers, like there was a big headline, um, I think today, I don't remember where it was, and I didn't have time to actually read through the article. But it was something about um, how, you know, the 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 online shopping slump, right? Like the, well, of course, there's going to be an online shopping slump, because we've been shopping online for a year. But also, it's a come down from an all time high. Yes. It's just, you know, and, and the numbers, first of all, the numbers can't stay elevated. Um, second of all, the reason why they did hit that the all time high was because we couldn't leave our houses, you know, (laughs) and people are starting to wander out and they're starting to say, well, I don't need to get it on Amazon. I'm just going to go run to the corner store because that is now open. And I want to support the retail in my area, which also could be happening rather than, you know, giving all of my money to Amazon. Yeah, so I don't know. So it just, it still feels like so weird to see them using these numbers, even if they're looking at like, well, we're looking at 2019 numbers because it's still, it's still not the same. Whatever we've just been through has completely, I think it has fundamentally changed so many different landscapes that we, we just can't have any comparisons yet. Like we need to let everything settle out before we can make those comparisons. I agree. But like, you know, don't listen to me because I'm not a bajillionaire. No, everyone should listen to you more. I know, right? Like, I, say, I, like, <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I, like, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a really smart thing that nobody is talking about. I feel that way every week. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, that's probably why nobody hires me because, they're, <laughs> because yeah. I'm the only one talking about it. And they're like, she must be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Ergo, like, what do I know? So well, I think you know plenty. I think uh, you're right. I think it's a really valid topic that we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with. Yeah. 
So here we are. So as I venture out again, I'll report in, but I think it'll be weeks and weeks before we see anything else in the theater. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really out there to see, is there? Uh, to my, at least what I have seen and been invited to, the, there has not been much. Very, like, very I, little. Like, like less than a handful. And a lot of it yeah. still seems to be that, um, oh, God, kind of more installations where, like, yeah, you, yes, you, it's like a lot of immersive type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the actors aren't there. You're Correct. having voiceover yes. or, like, you know, whatever it might be. So, yeah. Oh, you didn't do um, these seven sicknesses, did you? No, I was not. Uh, no, it was uh, seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. Yeah, sorry. I wasn't invited. So, no, I didn't. I mean, did you need an invitation? Couldn't you just show up? Oh, uh, uh, maybe. I didn't even realize that. I just thought it was something that I really couldn't access. Oh, like, I thought it was, like, free. Like, couldn't you just go around to, like, the various storefronts? Or am I, or am I wrong? No, maybe, you're probably right. I just didn't think about it like that. Oh, okay. But I probably wouldn't have had much of an interest if that's kind of all it was. Yeah. And again, it was sort of weird because it's one of those shows where I thought... I know when it was in Miami, it felt like everybody was talking about it, kind of like Sleep No More when it was in mm -hmm. Boston. Like it felt like there was just this real sort of conversation that was happening around it. Um, and so I felt that way when it was in Miami. And when I heard it was coming, I was like, oh, that's going to get, you know, take a lot of like suck a lot of air out of the room. And that'll be really interesting to see. And it kind of like it got a lot of coverage, but then it just kind of like, and I feel like this has been happening a lot with the coverage, like it just kind of disappears. Like it gets like that the 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 coverage and then there's nothing yeah, else. I think and, it has come and gone. Yeah, and it I feels mean the, like it's, the attention. Yeah, it feels and 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 that's been happening. I think a lot. Like I think about, um, you know, a lot of projects, even the virtual ones that have been higher profile, and it's sort of like, I don't know. It's just been super weird because you think that there would be a little bit more coverage, a little bit more attention a little bit more marketing, a little bit more whatever. Yeah. And you, and yes. it's just something that you don't hear about and, and, or hear about much. And, um, and, and I don't know how that's, I feel like that might continue too. Yeah. I mean, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. So anyway, anyway just, just some food for thought guys. Well, I'm going go to go continue to bed. navigate this world yeah well, i wish you a good night <laughs> yeah <laughs> see you later bye all right that's all <laughs> folks uh as always you can find us on back on the block pod don't be shy about reaching out uh if there's anything you think we should be seeing reading watching talking about uh just let us know yeah and otherwise we'll uh we'll see you back here next week see you back here on the boulevard in just a week take care till then bye <laughs>